Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody excited to be in the house of the Lord again? Awesome. I'm going to try that one more time. Amen. You know, singing those, amen. I was singing those songs. And I'm going, man, God, you are victorious. You are in a category all by yourself. There's none like you. I'm grateful for that. And I want real quick, if the Lord is done, let's have a praise party. Anybody ready to have a praise party? So let's do this real quick. Amen. If the Lord has done one thing for you in the last 24 hours. Now, I know he's done something for the fact that you're breathing. Amen. But if he's done one thing for you the last 24 hours, just say a week. On the count of three, I want us just to praise the Lord. And we can scream if you want to scream, but we're going to have a praise party. He inhabits the praises of his children. On the count of three, you ready? One, even online. Come on, I hear you clapping. Not yet, though. One, two, three. Come on, guys. Come on. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. He's worthy. Yep. He's worthy, regardless of what we face, regardless of what we encounter. He is still on the throne, and he is completely, completely. Hear me say this. Come on. Come on. Come on, y'all. Come on. I feel that there's some defeated people in the room today. Let's be encouraged this morning. Those online, let's be encouraged and realize that the tomb is, is empty. Come on, saints. Amen. Now it feels as if we're ready for church. Amen. Didn't that feel good? It's a little praise party every now and then. We'll do that every now and then, so don't, uh, don't put that on a back burner. That'll happen quite frequently. Amen. So, but, um, but good morning, everybody. Glad to be back with you in week three of our series entitled Vantage Point. Again, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to spend too much time uh, just dealing with that portion, but I do want to say this. Uh, it's been a great series so far. Shandares did a phenomenal job week one. Stan did a phenomenal job last week. I'm going to try to do somewhat of a job, if you will, today dealing with this term called meekness, okay? It's a very um, convoluted, complicated, complex uh, term that's really actually hard to define. Uh, there's many different views and many different um, outlooks and definitions out there, but you always have to go to the scripture, right? You have to go to the Greek, the original language, and see exactly what God has to say or what, what the original writers, how they use the term and how they, they define the term. So we're in week three. I'm excited. Again, I want to encourage you real fast. In my notes, I said I got to make sure I say this for those online watching as well. Uh, be encouraged. Again, we're living in some very unprecedented times. I know this to be true, having conversations with multiple pastors around the country. We are living in some very different times. Wouldn't you agree? But I, I think there's something to be said about what we're going through. I think God has really, I believe this to be true, he's, he's almost paused our activities uh, for a certain reason. I don't know what he's doing. There's major events throughout history that actually stop, and they could be culture shifts, whether if it's uh, World War I, World War II, 9-11, uh, you add COVID-19, this whole 2020. Do you know that we're halfway through this year already? And we have barely done anything. Amen. We're halfway through. And I don't foresee it changing just yet. I think we still have some, some up, uphill battles to go when it comes to the climate and the pandemic. But I do want to say this. I believe God is, he's sovereignly doing something in the midst of this pandemic. 
And I believe it's the church's responsibility to sense, as Jesus would say quite frankly, whatever the Father is doing, I'm doing. Wherever the Father is working, I'm joining him. And I want to encourage you, church, in the days ahead, uh, stay engaged. Don't be discouraged. Stay in the scripture. Let this be your filter. Let this be your, uh, your viewpoint. Let this be your advantage point, or what do you want to call it. But stay focused in the word. Be encouraged. Stay engaged. It's one of the things as a staff we're struggling with. Like, man, how do we keep the people? I'm going to be transparent. I know the other people watching too, the pastors, we've been dialoguing about this. I was talking with a pastor even last night going, how do you keep the people engaged in the midst of this? We're going to try our best to keep you engaged. Okay? We're not going to have a one-trick pony show. I'm going to, let me just be honest and share some vision here real quick. It's not going to be a one-trick pony show like we're trying to get people here just to be here. We want to be safe. We want to be smart. We want to be wise. We want to social distance. We want to wear our masks. I'm thankful that the pastor, when he's preaching, he doesn't have to wear a mask. I'm thankful for that. They did say that. Amen. And I'm happy for that. But at the same time, we want to make sure we stay connected with you and you with us, and then most importantly, you with the Lord. So in the days ahead, there's going to be some fun things with the outreach things we're putting together behind the scenes to reach our community. Uh, we, we have several things on the docket, uh, trying to clarify a couple more things, but we're excited on what God has in store for us to be mobilized to actually go out and, and minister to our community. Then also, you ready for this? Uh, in the fall, we're looking at doing some particular things in regards to, because I think fall is going to look different. It looks scaled down, but maybe some online discipleship classes, things of that nature that we can, uh, you can sign up for. We'll hit different books. Maybe I'll do something on, uh, you know, maybe Psalm, the book of Psalms or something in that nature. We'll do some other character studies. Women, they're doing some phenomenal things through Janine. And so I just want to encourage you. There's some great things going to happen in the days ahead. I thoroughly believe it. I know this. The Lord didn't call us here. Um, my family, to play church. I'm going to say it again. I don't think God called us from Asheville, North Carolina, to play church. We are on an assignment to make disciples, multi-generational disciples, multi-ethnic disciples of Jesus who, Mike Giblin, of who they worship Jesus passionately you have the vertical dynamic. They embrace or engage in relationships, authentic relationships, community, and uh, discipleship, and then they live on mission. So that's the outward portion. You have up, you have in, and then you have out. So that'll be our new mission statement going forward, guys. In other words, let me rephrase this. I had nothing to do with my notes, but I'm just all over the place this morning. But it uh, feels good to be back. Amen. So, but, um, but crossroads exist in this glimpse of history, and actually it leads into our text. Crossroads exist in this glimpse of history. We don't have much time. We don't even know how much time we do have. But in this glimpse of history that God is allowing us to live in, to function in, to take up space and heat with our bodies, in this glimpse of history, he's allowing you and I to be here for what reason? Well, to cultivate, to cultivate multi-generational, multi-ethnic disciples of Jesus who they worship him passionately, they embrace authentic relationships, and then they live on mission. That's our vision statement. Y'all like that? Amen. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I like it or not. But it's very clean and simple. And it's very clear in the sense of and concise to where it's going to give us direction moving, moving forward. And this is what Jesus actually, what he talks about in Matthew chapter 5. He actually draws a line in the sand. He's saying, well, I know that it's been said that Christians, or not even Christians at this point, but followers of me or people that are um, 
God-fearing people, whether the Sadducees, Pharisees, or any other person for this matter, in the biblical times in our text today, he's going, I know that they've done certain things a certain way. I know that um, they've waited for this long-coming Messiah, and that they've longed for him to come. They didn't know in what form he would come, and uh, they thought he would come as a conquering king to overthrow the Roman government and his uh, dominant, their dominant hand in leadership. But in essence, Jesus came completely different. And so in essence, it's funny that Jesus, even in our text this this morning and looking at the previous weeks, he also just draws a line of demarcation in the sand and he says this, well, I want you to know that the kingdom of God, here it is, here's the main idea about this whole series. It's not about being cute. It's not about having a great sermon. It's not about um, tickling ears. This is the main point in which Jesus articulated the Sermon on the Mount to the watching and the listening culture. He said this, well, in essence, is this, kingdom citizenship, it must manifest a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. This is hard to hear, right? In other words, he's saying this is what it's going to look like. And this righteousness only comes about as we are charged, you and I, by God's grace and by God's power to do exactly what God has called us to do through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's an upside down, topsy-turvy philosophy with the kingdom of God. We know that. It demands that you and I adjust to God's standard and not the other way around, the Sermon on the Mount. This is a big deal. This is a big deal to Jesus. It ought to be a big deal to you and I. And I want to say this real quick. In our culture today, in our, in our culture today, meekness, the word we're going to look at this morning, it's not the way to go. It's just not the way to go up there at top. It's not the way to go. I mean, when do you wake up in the morning saying, I want to be meek today? When was the last time y'all have done that? I want to be meek today, right? That's not the way. And as a matter of fact, as Christians, we accept the Bible as, a, as the authoritative word of God. But as Americans, stay with me, we tend to be opposed to the concept of authority. Stay with me when I'm saying this. Over the nation, our nation, excuse me, was founded on a rebellion and uh, one of our early flags, uh, it actually said this, really, it, it defiantly proclaims, don't tread on me. Do y'all know this to be true? Have y'all know what I'm talking about? It's the snake curled up on a, um, like a yellow background, if you want to call it that. Don't, don't, don't tread on me. Why? Well, don't, don't submit me. I have freedoms. I have rights and all this, which is true. But I'm going to tell you something. God does not cater to our rebellious spirits, nor does he tickle our ears and just give us cool hints or helping hints. He gives us commands. And those commands are given to you and I for our flourishing, but not only our, our flourishing, but it's also given so that you and I may be reflectors, that'll be our end point in the, in the, at the end of the sermon, but we may be reflectors of God to point people to him that we may grow in the process and give him crazy glory. We want to make much of Jesus. Billy Graham said this about the Beatitudes. He said this, paraphrase in the modern vernacular or attitude. He says this, happy are the clever, for they shall inherit the admiration of their friends. He said, happy are the aggressive, right? For they shall inherit property, right? They just go seize stuff and, and take stuff. Happy are the talented, for they shall inherit a career. I mean, this is kind of how we look at it. This is our um, ideology when it comes to typically how to function on this side of heaven. Happy are the rich, for they shall inherit a world of friends and a house full of modern, modern stuff. Is this what Jesus called us to? Hadn't he called us to something greater? Hadn't he called you to something greater? Hasn't he called the church to something, to something greater? You see, as long as we think that we're not that bad, grace will never seem, it will never seem that good. As long as you and I think that we're not that bad, as long as I think that I'm not that bad, I'm a cool husband right now. My wife is watching. She's going, no, you're not. You need some help. Amen. 
And some of y'all need some help. Don't look at me and judge me. So, but the point is, as long as I think that I'm not that bad, I'm, I'm doing okay, I mean, I'm comparing myself to maybe this guy and how he loves his wife and his family or whatever the case may be, as long as we think that we're not that bad, grace will never seem that good. And the good thing about this is Jesus wants to lavish you and I with grace. He, ha- he has by the cross. And so, in other words, we need to actually look at this and see, what does the actual Christian look like? And Jesus says, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And it looks, they look, he, she, man, woman, boy, and girl, they look like this. Read with me in Matthew 5, verse 5. It says this. Simple verse, one verse. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. One verse. So what exactly is, what exactly is meekness? Well, the Greek word is paros, meaning humble, gentle, disciplined. That's what it means. And that's the picture. And this is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the, uh, the gentle. Blessed are the, the disciplined. Those three terms, do any one of those terms explain or describe you? When it comes to life circumstances, and by the way, this is, um, a circumstantial text, if you will, the circumstances that Jesus is actually looking at the people. He's articulating to the Jews. Matthew writes to the Jews. And so therefore, they're longing to hear, maybe this Jesus, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the Messiah. And they're waiting to hear what he has to say. And what he says, it goes against the grain of what they really wanted to hear. They were wanting to hear again this conquering king, um, the, the, the knight in shining armor, guy coming to overthrow the Roman government, as I said a little while ago, but he comes completely different. In other words, he's saying meekness is the one who is angry. You ready for this? Who is angry at the right occasion, on the right or at the right people, for the right moment, and for the right length of, or the moment or the length of time. Do you hear what I said there? So meek is this person. It's the one who is angry. Now, angry can, we can get angry. James 1.20 says we don't, we, don't, we don't sin in our anger because it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. But you and I, meekness is this. It's power under control, but it's being angry for the right occasion, for the right person, or with the right person, and at the right moment for the right length of time. My family and I, we've been just laying low like everybody else and during this time. We've been on an Avenger, the Avengers binge-watching um, yeah, he said, my give so yeah, that's good. We've been watching all the Avengers. It's been great, man. My girls, they like, after they're done, they think they're like Avengers. It's weird, right? Little three or little Naomi, she like trying to kick me. Wow, plow. I'm like, great, better back down, right? You know what I mean? And so, but we all, we've been watching Avengers. But one particular character, his name is Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner is a scientist. He's very well-known, renowned, well-renowned scientist. And uh, they did an experiment on him. And so he has this green... Uh, concoction within him in his veins that when he's in a pressurous situation, what happens is the, 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 it ignites, if you will, or even um, fires up or sparks within his veins to make him turn into this massive green monster. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The Hulk. I actually like him out of all of them. Thor is actually kind of rising up in the charts too. He's, 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 Thor ain't no joke. But the point is, I'm going to let y'all into my, my Marvel world here, but but Bruce Banner, there's something he says in the first Avengers, towards the end of the movie, he said, well, I think Captain America looks at him and said, hey, look, it's a good time for you to get upset and get angry. Some of y'all know where I'm going. And Bruce Banner looks back at the rest of the, the Avengers and he says, well, that's my secret. I'm always angry. Isn't that interesting? That you and I ought to have a, 
a right disposition when it comes to being angry, but being angry for the right person or the right occasion for the, at the right person uh, for the right moment and then for the right length of time. And I want to say this, the green monster, when he's out of control, he damaged things. And I want to tell you this, that when you and I allowed anger to just take um, reign and, and rule and, and run, what happens? We destroy stuff too. People around us, we, in our circumstances, whatever the case may be, it turns out not that good. William Barclay, he was a Scottish theologian. Back in the day, he said this, he is, talking about the person that is meek, he is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. Isn't that great? So in other words, you and I, is, we have to be tamed. The sin nature within you and I, it, it always longs to find a new opportunity to seize itself and to grow. Do you know that sin never subsides? Do you know sin is never satisfied? Sin always wants to grow. And here's the picture of meekness. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those. It's like domesticating an animal. Blessed are those who are tamed. It is not sheer, hear me say this, it's not a sheer, uh, let me manage my anger. Let me just kind of manage it. How many of you guys every now and then try to manage your anger? We try to manage sin. That's not the point of the Christian life. And here again, Jesus is drawing a demarcation line in the sand as he's talking to these people, the Jewish people, and he's saying, this is what a Christian ought to look like. This is the, these are the characteristics of what a disciple of the Lord looks like and those who are citizens of heaven. They are under control. They are, they're under my leadership and rulership. In other words, it's not just managing our anger but submitting to the Lord, right? A lot of times we would rather try to manage our sin than giving it to the Lord. In other words, what we're choosing in that time, we're choosing bondage over freedom. In those moments, and we're choosing bondage over freedom. And Jesus would actually pick this up, and this is where this, this actual uh, beatitude comes from, is Psalm 37. Jesus is actually going back to the Old Testament, Psalm 37, and it says this. Y'all know this is actually, actually a great one. It talks about being meek, and it, the previous chapter uh, 37, one through two, deals with... Um, those on the outside that are flourishing. So in other words, looking at the unbeliever and going, well, they're doing just fine. I'm sitting here following you, Lord, and I'm having all these issues and, and drama and, and things that happen in my life. Look at all the circumstances that I'm in. I want to get angry. I want to get angry. Don't I have a right disposition to be angry at what I'm going through versus how everybody else is living. They don't give a hoot about you, but they're actually flourishing. And then here it goes in 37.3. He starts off by saying this. David says, trust in the Lord. It's just this grander picture of meekness, trust in the Lord. Verse 4, he goes on to say this, delight in the Lord. So trust, delight. Verse 5, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Are we doing this even in the midst of COVID, church? Stay with me. Don't go to sleep on me this morning. We only have one service to drill this home. Trust in the Lord. Delight in him. I don't want to delight in CNN. I don't want to delight in all this other stuff. I want to delight in the beautiful face of Jesus. I want to delight in the truth of Scripture. I want to delight in the Word of God. I want to delight in the one who, who's, who's sovereign over all as we sang already. He says, delight in the Lord. Rest in him. It's as if I laid on this, this, plat, this podium and I rested all my weight on this. That's the picture. Are you doing the same thing in your life? in retirement, with your marriage, with your kids, with your health, whatever the case may be, are you delighting in him? You find delight in him. What about the next one? Commit your way to the Lord. And then after that, it says, and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. And then the seventh verse says this, be still. Here's the hard part. Be still and, and patient before the Lord. 
we want to take things in our own hands. And it's funny, <clears throat> when we do these, this is when we'll begin to see the beautiful picture of meekness um, produced in our lives. And also, this is the place where you and I will begin to experience true, true freedom. You see, freedom is never the license to do what you want, but rather it is the right to do what you should. Biblical freedom, this is what it looks like. It's not, okay, well, they're doing this and I'm mad at them or whatever the case. Here it is. It's you and I harnessing ourselves underneath the sovereignty and the mercy and the grace of God so that he can use us, but only only use us, but produce in us an authentic measure of meekness that really gives him glory and that we can grow from. It's like me driving. Y'all heard this. Y'all hear this until probably I go over to be with the Lord. Driving for what it's worth. The Lord has used driving to sanctify me. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I talked to somebody not too long ago. Yeah, I think I mentioned this, but I talked to somebody not too long ago, and they said, well, you know, we moved out of the woodlands, right? Those watching online. We moved out of the woodlands because it's, it's a speedway, right? In, in, the, in the midst of these, the trees and everything looking the same. I'm figuring it out now. Actually, I'm, I am figuring the, the law of the land out a little bit. But everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like... And we're like, man, with North Carolina place looking like country bunklings, right? Man, people pass us up, giving us dirty looks. And man, I'm talking about, man, it's bad. And I feel bad. I'm like, man, should we get over? Should we speed up? I don't want to speed up with North Carolina place. I, I mean, I just want to, I want to do what's right. But it's in the midst of this. It's in the midst of me in my car when I'm in a pressurous situation. What's really inside of me begins to come out. I'm almost not as bad. I'm almost like Bruce Banner. I want to be real. Can I be transparent this morning with you? Again, we don't have time to play church. We don't have time to um, elevate the pastor and think the pastor is all in a bag of chips because at the end of the day, I'm not. I have sin struggles and sin tendencies. And I have to make sure I submit them to the sovereignty and the will of God. And in the midst of my car, when I'm in the pressurous situations, y'all always pray for me. If, if, I'm on, if I'm getting ready to have a lunch with you and I'm driving to a place, you know how to pray for me. Amen. So I'm praying for Marcus as he arrives, Pastor Marcus as he comes here, that you don't allow him to turn into Bruce Banner. Amen. And so we're driving. And I'm, I was talking to the staff the other day about COVID-19. Isn't it amazing that in the midst of this pandemic, you begin to see the real person coming out? Have y'all witnessed that? Maybe even with you. Like this anxiety that you never thought was really there just came out of nowhere. Maybe it's, it could be depression. And I'm not, I'm not downsizing these things. I'm not trying to um, be flippant with these. These are serious issues. But maybe it's funny how we're in pressurous situations. Now remember, the topic is being meek. But it's amazing that even pr in pressurous situations, COVID-19, uh, this pandemic, we're beginning to see people uh, voice themselves, Christians in different ways, and upset that we have to wear masks in, in, in service. You know what I was singing over there? And the worst thing about me singing in this mask was me smelling my own breath. Amen. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. And I'm singing, y'all can go and laugh at that. But as I'm singing, I'm looking at the cross and I'm going, man, God, you endured the rugged cross for me. And I'm complaining about singing in a, in a mask. Meekness under control. Proper perspective. Proper harnessing. And it's funny that in the midst of this, these pressure situations like even peanuts, you put pressure to peanut and you actually get what you really want to get on the inside out. That's what the Lord is doing with you and I. And that's what he allows us to walk through circumstances. What circumstances is the Lord allowing you to walk through right now to put you in a position 
to foster, to cultivate, to uh, develop meekness within you. Now, this is not something we ascribe to in the sense of going to get it externally. And by the way, Greeks looked down upon the virtue of being meek. They thought it was lame. For the, for the younger generation, they thought it was straight weak sauce, right? They're like, man, you, you, you meek? Oh, you, you weak sauce. The Jews, they looked at it as a virtue, but had a distorted view about it in a sense of because they were God's people, they had a proud or arrogant disposition about them, so it was more external than internal. So here Jesus again draws the line in the sand and said, this is what the disciples and this is what people in my kingdom, what they're going to look like. Here's what A.W. Tozer said about this. He said, the meek man or woman is not a human mouse. I love this. Afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he or she may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being food about himself. You hear that? He has accepted God's estimate of his own life or her life. He or she, they know that they are weak and helpless as God declares them to be, which we talked about, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But paradoxically, in other words, at the same time, he or she, they know at the same time that they, uh, in the sight of God, are more important than the angels. In herself or himself, nothing, but yet in God, they're everything. That's A.W. Tozer. I think it's phenomenal Ex, just an ex, explanation about what it really means to be, to be meek. So let's look at some biblical characters or some biblical examples. Meekness. Meekness. What are some biblical examples of meekness, right? First, I want to say this. It's not easy. Let's talk about what it's not. Meekness is not cowardness. It's not emotional softness. It's not lack of conviction. It's not complacency. Okay, it's not complacency. Church, you know, I pray going forward that we will be a church that that will be in the staff, know this, they've heard me say this, that we will be a church that's on the tip, we will be the tip of the spear, engaging a culture, impacting darkness one soul at a time, um, seeing restoration, because we understand, we believe the, the contents of the gospel, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection, and ascension, and then Jesus is coming back of the gospel. We, we, we hold to that, that's, that's our creed, that's biblical truth. But the scope of the gospel is this, that it ought to not just be intellectual um, information to appease our, um, our understanding or our appetite for more knowledge. It ought to actually impact our surrounding. In other words, I hope that Crossroads in the future will actually impact the woodlands, but not just the woodlands, that we will also impact the greater Houston area. The greater Houston area. I think the time is coming. So it's not complacent, it's not just weak sauce, it's, neither does it mean, you know, indecisiveness or wishy-washy or a lack of confidence, right? It's, again, it's boldness, but, but harnessed boldness. You see, it's not confidence in self, but it's confidence. y'all catch that? It's confidence in the great I am. Meekness, blessed are the meek, blessed are... Um, the same word, the cousin of that word is, is humble. Blessed are the hupotasso in the Greek. It's hupotasso. Those who are powerful, but stay with me. I don't know if y'all can see this online. But those hupo, the prefix is under. Tasso is submit. So I submit under the rule and the authority of someone stronger than I so that at the right time, God can use me and elevate me, not for my own accolades, not for my own pats on the back so that I'm boasting in my own confidence, but it's sure enough, it's a sure enough God-fidence in the great I am. 
That's what it is. This is what it really looks like. And Jesus is the greatest picture of this, of meekness. He's the greatest picture of it, right? He wasn't this, you know, it's funny, these pictures of Jesus, man, being this, this pale, kind of thin, scraggly hair, dude. That, by the way, that, that's not the picture. We've, um, we've Americanized Jesus. We've made Jesus in our, own, in our own image. Let me just pause here. It's going to be beautiful, saints, when we see him, when we see him face to face. Have you thought about that recently? Like when you and I, when we leave this side and we're ushered into eternity, the focal point of heaven will be Jesus and this great, beautiful face. I don't know what he looks like, but as a songwriter would say, I can only imagine. I can really, I can only imagine. Like, what is going to be like? I can only imagine on this side. What is really going to be like? I mean, I was complaining about wearing a mask. I'm not downplaying masks, by the way. This is a serious, serious health issue that we're facing. But I can only imagine all the stuff that I had to endure, all the, the pressurous situations that God sovereignly allowed me to go through on this side of heaven to produce biblical meekness within me. And when I see him face to face, it will all be worth it. I mean, the beauty in his eyes, the beauty of the texture of his face, the beauty of the pierced, scarred hands, the beauty of the, the, the side that was pierced for you and I, the beauty of the holes in his feet, the beauty of the Savior. Why? Because we will look at him and say, worthy is the lamb. And oh, I'm so glad that he allowed me to go through circumstances because now I see it. This is the ultimate picture of what meekness looks like. The great I am, see, it's not a confidence in self. It's a confidence in, it's a confidence in the great I am. We see this in Matthew 11, it really even before that, when Jesus, he shows some anger before the right reason at the right people in the right moment for the right length of time. In other words, when he did some spring cleaning in the temple, y'all know what I'm talking about. He started flipping tables. Can you imagine Jesus? Like, man, he'd been doing all this calm stuff, chilling with people, and then like, right, just start flipping stuff. People are like, dang, what happened? My house should be called a house of prayer. But there's even more to that. The Jewish people were actually not allowing other ethnicities and to come on in to experience what God had for everybody. So he was upset. He said, this is not a picture of my kingdom. It should be called a house of prayer for every single person. Matthew 11, he says, well, hey, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, come unto me. And this yoke, he says, I'm meek and I'm humble. I'm, he says, put this yoke on yourself. And this idea of training, again, submission to, uh, to become more like Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Matthew 21 and 5 talks about how, which is a, prophet, a prophetic text from Zechariah 9, 9, talking about how Jesus, this coming Messiah, will come humbly riding on a donkey. He's the greatest picture of it. You see, submission is this. It's the act of submitting, like I said a little while ago, under the authority or control of another person. It's putting on the mindset of being a servant. And the opposite of this is pride. We know this to be true. Pride will destroy a person, a family, a church, a nation. It, will, it has the potential, stay with me, has the power to erode everything, pride. There's some prideful areas in your life. Maybe it's just asking for forgiveness with your spouse. Maybe it's someone in your family. Pride is just that I gotta have control. It's not meekness, it's, it's the opposite. If I, gotta, I wanna own this so I can leverage the situation to make myself feel better. It's not a self-confidence, it is a what? Godfidence in the great I am. Well, you know this, Pride, it desires attention and credit. It, it's competitive. It doesn't like to share or to see anyone else do well. Jesus taught the disciples, and actually, 
Um, in the most unthinkable and unexplainable way, he washes the disciples' feet. I don't have time to get in that, the three different layers of the importance of washing feet in that time. But Philippians 2, we sang about it. Based on this, him taking the hupotasso, submitting underneath the authority of the Father, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And then Moses is another one, Numbers 12 and 3. Chapter 11 in Numbers, um, the people were complaining. Have you ever had to deal with some complaining people? Just can y'all, I like to read the Bible with attitude. Can y'all imagine being Moses leading over a million plus people and all of them complaining? Can you, can, you, can you handle and weather that? I mean, as a leader, some of us, we see ourselves as bona fide leaders in here. I would say I'm, I'm a leader, but I don't know about leading like a million people and every single one, even the little kids in strollers, if they had strollers back in the day, right? Little kids in strollers like, and you know, you can't hear them, what they're saying, but you know they're complaining. Everybody complaining. Chapter 11. Chapter 12. Um, Aaron and Miriam, they began to complain about the fact that he had hooked up with a, a Cushite. A lady of darker skin. Stay with me here. And for what it's worth, in this context, the Spirit of God calls Moses the meekest man on the earth. It's in this context. You have to see this. Because he was in a pressurous situation, but yet he still, he placed himself under the submission of God's grace, power, love, and they gave him supernatural ability to accomplish what God had called him to accomplish. It's like me trying to rappel off a wall. Uh, in Canada, I was a part of a leadership, aero leadership program. Uh, Leaders from all over the country, we would go to Canada and, and do this intense leadership deal. It was phenomenal. But the first, the first term going in, um, I went in and, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to be good. First of all, I got sick, all right, because you fly in, Ontario, wherever we flew in, but you had to go on this boat. You know, I'm not good with waves, amen. And so we had to get on the boat and go to Barnabas Island. Had to get on a boat and just go across all this water to get to this island where the actual facility was at. And I, by the time I got there, I was like, hey, Marcus, y'all good? You good? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to learn, right? You know what I mean? I'm ready to go. Got through that, couple sessions. Then we actually went back into the town and repelled off a mountain as a leadership kind of object lesson. Now, mind you, um, Heights and Marcus Hayes don't go together. Amen. They just don't. I don't like heights. Okay. I can get on a, uh, I can get on a uh, chair in my house to change the light bulb. I'm looking down like, golly, that's far, right? My daughter going, come on, Papa. Man up, right? You know what I mean? So we're up here. All these other leaders are here from around the country, uh, 20 some odd plus, and everybody's taking their turn. They're very experienced people actually, um, you know, rigging this whole deal around the tree. Everything is rigged just right. And I see one person going. It's my turn to go. Can you see me? It's bright outside. It's, it's sunny outside. And it's my turn, but I'm, on a, I'm at a leadership retreat. There's no way I can back down. Because the first thing you're going to say, this dude is not a leader. So pride comes in. Y'all see me? Come on, go with me. Pride comes in. Blessed are the meek. So I'm getting all harnessed in, which is always weird, by the way. Harnessed all in, right? 
And I'm starting to, in the tree, I can see where the rope is tied around the tree and all my friends are watching. They're like, you got it, Margaret, you got it. I'm like, yeah, I got it. But my tear ducts are welling up. <laughs> I got it, right? I'm trying to go back and I'm getting close to the edge. I'm like, man, what in the world I got myself into, right? I'm here, I'm here, and I'm getting closer and closer to the edge. And I can hear the guy at the bottom, the belayer, I guess that's what they call him. He's at the bottom going, you got this. And it sounded extra far. <laughs> you got this, It was far. And I said, man, I was starting to go, no, I'm good. I'm going to start going. I'm going to repel the other way. I'm going go forward. But I, I said, you know what? <laughs> I have to submit to the harnessing. I have to trust that they know what they're doing. They've, they're experienced at this. So here it is. I'm going to give it a shot. But one of the things you have to do, you ready? There's no trying to repel and stay close to the, the rock. I'm talking about this is a mountain. And then you go out, but then you got to come. <laughs> you, you're swinging back to the mountain. Boom. I'm like, and everybody's like, oh, is he okay? I'm like, I, I, I didn't know how to respond. Boom, hit my head. It was bad. Marcus, you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. And so I'm repelling them. I'm trying my best. And they say, you have to relax. You're too tense. I'm like, you know, it's just basic stuff. This is not rocket science. And nor is blessed are the meek. It's, it's harder than what it seems. So I relaxed. I was trusting in those that were operating the line. And I made it all the way down. And the guy at the ground, he said, was that, was that so bad? I said, Yeah. It was, and I'm going to tell everybody up top, it was bad, right? But I learned something in that, that whole experience. That if you and I never really trust and rest, rest in the one who spoke everything into existence, who created everything that we see, even the things that you and I, we don't see, if we never get to a point of relaxing in God's sovereign, majestic harness as he's repelling us through history and to be a disciple of him, to be a, a kingdom warrior and to be a person that exemplifies meekness, that we shall inherit the earth if we never relax in our relationship with him and him saying, I got this. We'll never truly reach biblical meekness. Blessed are the meek. How do you know if you're meek? Why is the meekness, first of all, how, why is it necessary? It is necessary for salvation, Psalm 149.4. I'm going to write, if y'all, I'm going to go fast, so um, y'all hang on here, right? Ready? It's necessary. It's a commandment, Zephaniah 2.3. Just do biblical theology. It's, it's necessary for receiving God's word, James 1.21. It's necessary for effective witness or witnessing, sharing the gospel, 1 Peter Three and 15. How do you know if you are meek? How do we know? You would get angry only when God is dishonored. You catch that? Not when you. Now, I'm not saying that we can't get mad and upset at some things. And, but ultimately, like this, this righteous indignation, we respond humbly and obediently to God's word. This is when you know you're meek. Lord, this, as much as this hurts, 
I'm going to let go and I'm going to relax. I'm going to repel. I'm going to trust you because you've you got this all under control. What is God calling you to relax in and to trust him and to submit hupo tasso in? Here's how you know you're meek when you, when you make peace. When you receive criticism well. Ha, 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 right? Amen. Who likes to receive criticism? It's very quiet on that one. That's why I, I knew we're very, we're hard on ourselves. Can I say this? Try not to, if we hooper tasso, this is not in my notes, it's free. This is free. Amen. If we hooper tasso properly and biblically, we will no longer begin to take ourselves too seriously and not the gospel serious enough. But we have to put ourselves in position to actually get there. What else? We'll be gentle in our instruction with other people. The more we see our own flaws and sins, the more precious, electrifying, and amazing God's grace will appear to us. And here's the reward of meekness. You ready? He says, we'll inherit the earth. It's at zero, and that's perfect. It's an emphatic noun here in this text. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The emphatic noun in the Greek reads this, blessed are the meek, for only they will inherit. For only they will inherit the the earth. Now, you may think, I don't want the earth. The earth is crooked, is wicked. What, what is he talking about? Why will I want to inherit this earth? Well, in other words, he's saying the proud people want to inherit the earth. Jesus, he said this later on in his ministry, you and I, we have to become a child. He's talking about entry to his kingdom. And then also you and I will have co-heirship in ruling with him the earth, which is a beautiful picture, by the way. But we know this to be true, that in the Garden of Eden, God promised Before he promised Israel, the promised land, he gave Adam and Eve the earth. You see this? So in other words, when you and I are meek, we're hupotasawin, we're submitting to the repelling majestic will of God, God will allow you and I to come back to this dominion part of having uh, just a prophetic voice, having um, impact, having authority, because greater the intimacy, greater the impact, greater the authority. The problem with us today, we don't have great intimacy when it comes to the Lord. So then therefore, we don't have great intimacy. Therefore, we will not have great impact in the culture in which God is calling us to to impact. He says, well, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hupotasso because they will inherit the earth. Not only that, they will regain what what was once theirs and have a power and authority to rule, but all underneath his authority. So let me ask you this question. Really, in essence, in the heavens, there's only going to be one boasting, one boasting slogan. It's going to be this, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. You and I should be a taste of heaven a long way from home. We should be, you and I. So let me ask you this question. You ready? In the band, y'all can get ready. Let me ask you this question. How would your life look different if you always put yourself in second place? How different will life look for you? If you always, if I always put myself in second, in my marriage, right, I'm going to serve you. And even today, even today, you look at your spouse and say, how can I serve you today? Men, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is a great win for you this, this afternoon. How can I serve you today? Kids, this would be great. Your family, your, your mom and dad has some friends over, and you walk in the room and say, dad, mommy, daddy, how can I serve you? They're going to say, man, what kind of Kool-Aid are you giving to these kids? Amen, right? Well, how can I serve you? Something happens when we serve. What would your life look like? Not only your life, but what would Crossroads look like if we put ourselves second? 
not only crossroads, but what would, if we proper hupotasso, what would the woodlands look like? If you and I properly put ourselves in the proper position under God's ruling and authority, not only that, y'all know this to be true, well, what would the greater Houston area look like? If we put ourselves second and trusted that God will take care of us, not self-confidence, but confidence in the great I am. What would it look like? What would it look like if here in this church, right now, in this small glimpse of history, that we will begin to, amen. I thought it was my phone ringing. I was like, oh, Lord, that's bad. For me, not you. Amen. What would it look like if we begin to really have an impact on the whole nation? I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't know if this scares you, but I think we have the capacity to do it. Church, I think we have the capacity to do it. Some of y'all are going, man, that's, Mark, that's some audacious, that's bold. Well, I know one thing, I serve a bold God. I don't want to worship a house cat when I can worship the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the great I am. What would happen if you and I put ourselves second? So now what? Look for areas where you need to grow in meekness. Do you see meekness in your life? Do other people see meekness in your life? This is a real deal. Because Jesus, again, said this is a demarcation. This is what people look like in my kingdom. They look like this. They smell like meekness. They reek like meekness. Their eyes look like meekness. They're everything about them. It looks like meekness. Do you see meekness in your life? Hupatasso, submitting with joy. It's a choice under the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's been there. Let him repel you down through history to accomplish only what he can accomplish through your life. And then... Submit to, submit to the harness. The harness, it can be hard, it can be awkward, it can be different, but submit to it. And then you and I, naturally what happens, we'll inherit the earth, but actually we'll be biblical reflectors and pointers and pointing people to Jesus. I don't want my life to do anything else but to point people to Jesus. I don't want to get credit for anything. I want to point people to Jesus. I'm serious, saints. I mean, I don't, I don't let's, why not? I'm here for his glory and his glory alone. That's why we're here. Sorry I bust your bubble this morning. You're not here for yourself. You're not here to build your own kingdom. You're not here as the Lord's prayer went, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. In other words, your kingdom come, have it, let it be done as it is in heaven, as perfectly as it's already executed. May that be the case down here on this side of heaven. But help me play a part. Help me play a part. Lord, what would happen if we put ourselves second? What would, what would happen, saints, if we hupotasso properly? What would happen? I just think we'll see some great things. Those online, I think we'll see some great things. Things you've never experienced before. Victories that you've never thought you can get victory from. Insurmountable situations that you said, I never can get over this. You said, man, God got me through that. I don't know how, but I got through it. Hupatasso. On the count of three, everybody say Hupatasso. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Okay, I know we have masks on. We can do better than that. Amen. I'll throw you a mint if you need one. I got some mints in my pocket. Amen. So, on the count of three, let's say Hupatasso. Bold. Courageous. One, two, three. Jesus, thank you. You give us the greatest picture of what meekness look like. 
Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not soft. Meekness is a confidence in the great I am and, at a, and not a self-confidence in a mere person. Lord, help us to walk out hupatasso in our lives. Help us online, listening, uh, here in the room, whatever the case may be. Help us to really put ourselves second and trust the harness of your will and your majesty. And we will begin to repel and do things that we never thought we can do. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but to give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.